Welcome to Read This Fucking Book, episode 25, Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. I'm Rachel. I'm Elena. Hi, Elena. It's been a, a bit. Yes, it, well, on the podcast, it has definitely been a bit. Yes. Uh, I believe June <laughs> was our last recording, and it is now September. Yeah, oops. <laughs> <laughs> this is now the second year, I think our second summer that we've been doing this podcast. And I think it's just, we don't do summer all that well. We always out yeah well it seems like there's that uh constant refrain in every part of my life after dragon con i'll deal with that Mm -hmm. after dragon con Mm -hmm. so you know whether that's reading whether that's um getting a my life together whatever doesn't matter after dragon con (laughs) after dragon con and then suddenly it is after dragon con and you realized you've packed 90 percent of your life into after dragon con (laughs) yes and there's a lot to unpack there so much you know, we're only two weeks past con, and here we are. So I think oh, we're yeah. doing good. We're, we're back on track very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also... Pros. Yeah. And we also <laughs> launched another project this summer, uh, Buck Keep Radio, for all of you Robin Hobb fans, which if you listen, if you've been listening, you know that I'm a big Robin Hobb fan. Uh, and rather than assign one book on RTFB... And then bemoan not being able to read the other 15. <laughs> uh, we just decided we're going to do a whole podcast dedicated to the realm of the elderlings. It's called Buck Keep Radio. Uh, I'm on it. Elena is on it. And a bunch of our friends are also on it. And we're having a great time. We just started book two. So if you uh, really like Robin Hobb or uh, epic fantasy adventure stories a la... Wheel of Time or Game of Thrones or even Warbreaker, um, then yeah, check it out. You can find it wherever you like to listen to podcasts. All right, so let's launch into this episode. Um, as you recall, or you may not recall, but as I recall, we are reading Warbreaker in response to Anne Leckie's The Raven Tower because this book is also about what would happen if uh, God's were among us and how they Mm. would affect people uh and then the joke is that where the raven tower was uh, a very kind of bleak uh minimal book warbreaker is a very colorful book with a huge cast of characters Mm -hmm. it's by brandon sanderson it was published in 2009 by tor and sanderson originally posted it as he was writing it chapter by chapter on his website and it's still there so you can actually read this one for free Uh, including all of the annotations, which is really interesting. Uh, Warbreaker is set within Sanderson's massive Cosmere universe and, in my opinion, works well as an entrance point for a new reader because it's currently a standalone novel, though Sanderson has repeatedly indicated that we will get a sequel eventually. And some of Sanderson's most compelling recurring characters are featured in the story. It's also a great intro to his style of magic systems and his multiple point of views. So, Elena... What the heck is Warbreaker about? Okay, well, I'm going to preface my um, summary by saying I am completely new to Sanderson's work. Like, he's a name I've been familiar with, and uh, his books are just so long, and there's so many of them, and they all seem to be in series, and sometimes series are really hard for me to get into, so I 
tend to not pick up books that I know have more coming just in case. I don't know. It's weird. It's intimidating. Yeah, Yeah, it's intimidating. And there's also tsunami coming at you. You're not sure you want to deal with that. Yeah. And then there's also the aspect of like, uh, do I want yet another series that's like, the story isn't over when I started and then it's just kind of left hanging in the back of my mind like an open tab for decades. You know, I don't know. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I want to pick that up. So like if a series is complete, I'm a lot more comfortable starting it. Like, oh, all the books are there. Good. I can get that whole story. Like if I need to, you know, read it all in one weekend, essentially. Not that I physically can, but that idea. If I I need to, uh, uh, whatever the uh forget the netflix term where you binge it there we go yeah if i need to binge, binge. read ah, i can't yes um so anyway so i'm completely new to his work i did and I, I very intentionally did not read any of the annotations or anything like that i was like i don't want to get confused i'm going to keep my new reader and new to his style um <laughs> pristine uh so all that said this book is essentially it's about a kingdom that is on the brink of civil war and the kind of, I guess, main part of the kingdom is run by this collective uh, of gods who all of them used to be mortals and they returned um, usually for a specific deed that they performed that led to their death. And they don't remember their previous lives. And they're like basically incarnations of the divine is how I guess they're, um worshipers view them and the faction that they're sort of at odds with is the quote original monarchy of this country um and they're kind of basically holed up in the mountains and they don't really do anything or have any power except over some trade routes and um then the fact that they have the claim to but we're the real kings over here um so the there's been a treaty for like 20 years that um, the rebel king is going to send one of his daughters to marry the god king in the capital city. And when the time comes that he has to send one of them, he can't bear to send his favorite daughter, who's the one that had been like prepared for this role her entire life. And so he sends kind of the unwanted, useless third daughter who's rebellious and, you know, doesn't really fit in with their very austere, uh, country society and he just kind of throws her to the wolves um okay well go go survive that on your own and as it happens uh she actually thrives in the city it's a very good fit for her personality um her older sister who is suddenly like doesn't know what to do with herself is like well i have to go rescue my my little sister from this horrible god king in this horrible city and uh very naively um goes to basically try and be a spy and get into politics and underworld when she has like no fucking idea what's going on and uh there's politics among the gods and politics among different factions vying for political control of the city and whether they're who who wants the war who's going to benefit who's basically just preparing for war because they think it's inevitable and you know that they're not going to be on the losing side by lack of preparation and um, then there's a mystery of what, who and what the God King really is and how the magic works. And I don't know. It's yeah. just, there's a lot there. I think that the appeal of Sanderson, um, if you've never read him before, is that he has a very cinematic style. 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you're reading it, but you could see how it would very easily transition to uh, like a television show, um, which yeah. is interesting because it's like it's like the opposite of Game of Thrones in which a screenwriter wrote novels that ended up being really difficult to translate to the screen. <laughs> and Sanderson is an author who writes novels that seem like they would transition, you know, really, really well, because he already has mm-hmm. the multiple points of view. He transitions quickly mm-hmm. between all of them. He um, he's also very famous for his magic systems and every sort of like this. Each of these series are like within the Cosmere, but they all kind of have their own magic system. And there's a, there's an internal logic that I think you could tell that they were created by one person. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they have rules, they're introduced, you learn how they work. Um, it's very, it's like game mechanics. There's a lot of like video game logic in in how he approaches his fight scenes. Uh, I was thinking that in the very, in, the, in those last few uh, various duels in the, you know, it's like you, you especially when uh, he picks up Nightblood and it's mm-hmm. like, he's just like, he's just making stuff disappear as he goes through the levels of the castle. And I was like, this is a power you could get in a video game. Yeah. You know? Like your super, super power, like supercharged that you get for 30 seconds. <laughs> right. And it costs you, you and it costs you all of your, like, you know, your mana or whatever to do mm-hmm. it, but it's like a super move and you do it. And then you get from point A to point B really fast and you can like overwhelm all of your enemies so that you can get to the boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of appeal um, to his writing, especially for people who may or may not um, who may not be familiar with fantasy as a genre. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think a lot of you know most fantasy readers will get to him eventually uh, and consume all of his works. But you know, people who are new often get because he's very popular and mm-hmm. um, they get that he's their entrance point. You know, to, yeah, and I, to modern and I, fantasy. And I could see that. Um, working really well. I mean, it's his writing is very, it's easy to read, but that, but I, but it's not like simplistic. It's simply like straightforward. And um, the 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 one problem I had with it that I think was like made it a little slow going, and I think I've complained about this in other books with multiple points of view, is the the constant reset is very jarring for me. Like I can't get into a flow. And so, like, I know for some people, it probably keeps it from being boring. It's like, oh, okay, just when that's starting to go on too long, like, there's something new. But, like, I really, for me, it was like, okay, well, I finished that chapter. Now I can get up and go do something because I know it's not picking up with the same character, you know? Yeah. So, it's like that constant reset makes it a lot easier for me to just, like, pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down. But that's a lot harder to really, like, get mileage, you know, on a book. And when it's a long book, that can add up like all those interruptions mm-hmm. yeah i can like see that personal... especially at the beginning um mm-hmm. when you're sort of still getting to know all of these characters especially yeah. before they go through some of their transitions some of the main characters go through some transitions that really make them a lot easier to read <laughs> yes <laughs> later on <laughs> talking about you vivenna uh you know like i could get i i see that i mean i also see the people who criticize his work i mean there is a wealth a wealth and breadth of amazing fantasy out there and we have read a lot of it already on this project but we'll never read it all but you know like i think people get irritated when sanderson gets held up as like the modern tolkien or like you know the the heir apparent to robert jordan and Mm -hmm. um 
I certainly had never read him until he finished Wheel of Time and I was very happy to see Wheel of Time finished but at the same time I was also very sad to see that the voice the authorial voice that I had come to love was not there anymore and it's not that it was bad it was just very very different mm -hmm. uh, and some of the things that I love in fantasy Sanderson does not he just doesn't do it or when he does it it's just not to my liking <laughs> um, like his his romance is pretty weak <laughs> or non-existent i mean i'd say it's there but it's pretty weak <laughs> um it's just not his focus and then i i you know he's not it's interesting because i find nightblood to be hilarious mm -hmm. but in general i do not tell people like when i try to tell people like what's sanderson like i don't i he's not funny to me like situations are funny situations are ironic but like characters who are quippy and funny or it's just not his thing yeah yeah, um, I I would agree with that. Like there were, it it was entertaining, but not necessarily amusing. Yeah, like I think Tonk Fa is supposed to be funny, but he's kind <laughs> of not. At least yeah. not to me. He's just kind of stupid. I mean, all <laughs> he, he like he's is... a conversation killer. Yeah, I mean, all all he does is make jokes about like wanting to kill things and torture things all the time. Yeah, like it's... except that they're not jokes. And then you're like, oh, then none of that was funny. Yeah. So that being said, <laughs> we are reading Sanderson because I did. Th I do enjoy Warbreaker. Um, I've read. I have not read all of the co of his books. Um, I don't really like Mistborn. I've read uh, The Way of Kings, um, and some of his. He has a YA book about. Um, I think it's called like arithmancy or something. It's where it's like a chalk based magic system where you draw stuff uh, and do like math, mathematical patterns that I, I really enjoy. Uh, but Warbreaker was my first Sanderson book that wasn't Wheel of Time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I thought of it when we were reading uh, Raven Tower because it is also about gods among us and mm -hmm. about like the nature of divinity and gods believing in themselves and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, um, and I, I, I definitely like, okay, first of all, I enjoyed the book. Like it was, um, you know, whether the reading was stop and go is not the, the point. Like I actually, mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the book and the characters and the, the setting and the situation. Um, and it definitely was a good follow up to that, to Lecky, especially from that angle. Mm -hmm. Um, because there are just a lot of theological questions in, on a lot of different fronts that get brought up and it's it's done um i mean it's done to me in the way that like this is kind of the one of the points of reading fantasy or science fiction it's like i'm gonna just create this narrative in this other society that's so different from ours that you can actually like think about the concepts free from your own sort of ego reactions to like earth religions and your yeah. own religion and your own beliefs. You can actually like sidestep it and just kind of contemplate the ideas that are being said. And there's, I, I think a real value in that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too, because you're right. You, he's able to, to present a lot of ideas and it is a very, there's a lot of like Christian ideas. Um, he's a Christian author. Uh, so he's not, he's not really exploring you know, non, non Western religion, but it, it's, it, unless you think about Pantheon, but you know, that's classic. So it's not really a threat to the Christian reader, but I, yeah, I think you're right. I think he is be able to like examine things without anyone getting mad or mm -hmm. reactionary or not, excuse me, not able to 
to to leave their own biases to to just experience the just questions just let a question fill you not necessarily have to answer it it's just oh yeah you're right this is ambiguous this is odd Mm -hmm. uh so um that being said uh there are a lot of things about the cosmere that you just you're that you do not know about when you Mm -hmm. read this if you've never read anything else um but I do want to kind of go over his magic system, at least in this particular book. And they do kind of crisscross and overlap in, in, a, in, a, in a particular way. But because this is we're just reading the one book and you've never read anything else, I'm not going to like painfully go through all of the Cosmere <laughs> stuff. There are plenty of other podcasts that will do that. Uh, but yeah, so uh, his magic system is basically uh, biochromatic breath, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we encounter it. We have there are people who have breath, people who don't have breath, people who have divine breath, people who use breath, uh, and there are basically three sort of ways to to approach the biochromatic breath. The first are the heightenings, where you just due to how many uh, breaths or the nature of the breath that you have, you get certain abilities mm-hmm. that are just innate to you. Uh, and the next is awakening, which is something that you can do with breath, right? You as a user of breaths can impart, uh, uh, various objects that have used to be alive or are made from things that used to be alive. Uh, and then the, uh, the third is just the, the sort of status. And so those are the drabs, which are people with no breath, the lifeless, which are dead people that have been reanimated with breath. And then the returned, who are people who have died but have returned with a divine breath inherent, uh, and that gives them certain heightenings automatically and certain abilities with their biochromatic breath. So there's a lot. There's a lot. It seems like yeah, confusing, okay. but and, it and is introduced to you in a way where you get it. Yeah, like it, I, I didn't have any particular confusion around it, like it, or at least the 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 way it was introduced. I don't know, but part of it's I've been reading. You know, when you've been reading fantasy a long time you hit a point where there's very like something has to be totally out there to mm-hmm. e- either like either out there like abstract and it's really unexplained or out there like you've never encountered anything like it before to to throw you so right. you know um i i found it fascinating and i really would have liked <laughs> like i think one of some of my favorite parts of the book where when Vasher like starts nerding out and, like just yes, listens like, scholar pro- professor of like biochromatic breath mode and, <laughs> and people people are never what they seem right it's like oh he's a badass like fighter and it's like no he's just a nerd he's <laughs> <laughs> just a nerd who's been around for 300 years and at some point you pick up skills <laughs> yeah and his only friend is like a terrible sword <laughs> he, yeah <laughs> right Nightblood is my favorite character in all of Cosmere. You heard it first here. So, do you have any favorite scenes besides all of the ones featuring Nightblood being like, hey, pick me up, take me places, clean me, love me, pull me out. Let's go kill something. Let's go kill stuff. Let's go Uh, defeat evil. Destroy evil. There's evil here. Let's destroy it. Um, Okay, favorite scenes. Um... I mean, I uh, I really liked Light Songs. Um, like once Light Songs started, sort of like 
coming into himself and he started like basically remembering who he used to be a little bit and like all these instincts started waking up and like these csi halandrin that yeah like I, I don't know what whatever um like whatever point when he actually became like interested mm-hmm. in everything like he became a like i loved every scene with him after that point yeah like um, song is pretty cool yeah and um I liked I liked the scenes between Siri and um, Sue Sebrin. Is that how we say it? Because she calls him Seb, so I'm guessing like that. There's an emphasis on the second syllable there, rather probably than, rather yeah. than Sue Sebron, Which I say I probably say Sue Sebron, but that again I don't give a yeah. Like I, I was anything, but you're I was right, in my head Sue saying Sebron, probably Sue, Sue Sebron until she started calling him Seb, and then I was like, that doesn't make sense unless that's the syllable being em- emphasized. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll call him Which Seb. is a nice little trick to teach the reader how to say the mm-hmm. name if they but, care enough to learn. <laughs> yes, very subtle. But, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so I liked the scenes between them once they started interacting um, a lot. Yes. Siri is, I think, likable from the very beginning, but she's that, like, classic, like, going on an adventure kind of character. Like, she's naive she's... but willing she's classic manic pixie dream girl like she's yeah you know colorful and bright and sparkling and can't really be controlled and you know kind of big well that is actually a good like one of the things the thing that annoyed me about Susebrin and siri was their like bedroom i mean i know they were trying to like get to know each other and he didn't really have anywhere for, like it's not like they could go strolling they could only be in this one place but it was very manic pixie dream girl because mm-hmm. she knew everything Right. She knew everything and he knew nothing. Yeah. So how... Yeah. <laughs> everything. Like, how does a dick work? She doesn't even have a dick, but she's the only one that knows how they work. Yep. Well, uh, to be fair, she like, she probably got to run around the countryside and see a lot of things that a princess probably wouldn't otherwise have seen. Like, what what would have happened if it was Vivenna? Like, would she have known? Like, would she have known I think, what to do? I think <laughs> she would have just, like because she was who she was and she had been trained for it she probably would have just marched to the bed and like got on with it you know like (laughs) he probably would have been like oh okay like she would have just done it because that was expected of her Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but yeah i think i think in terms of like favorite characters i mean vasher is like a favorite just because he's got nightblood with him but he i mean he doesn't talk that much Mm-hmm. So he's he's like heroic and I admire him but I I think in terms of just like purely enjoying reading I really like Light Song and Scoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My criticisms of that though is that you know it seemed that at the very end they sort of they made Light Song kind of aggressively heterosexual in a way that I thought didn't really like why okay because it's like he spends the whole book just being like blush weaver's my friend and i don't give a shit that she's half naked all the time and like you Mm -hmm. know and like being really interested in scoot and just like just i don't know and like not not to say that he had to be gay but it just he wasn't he wasn't like going around fucking women and like thinking about tits and stuff you know like yeah and then at the end when blush weaver died he's like crying and they're like oh you did care about her and i'm like okay i thought he was gay but okay (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then of course, but Lara, and then Larimer ends up being his Scoot ends up being his brother, and right. not like his like former boyfriend or husband or something. Oh, okay, wow, yeah, like I, I didn't. That's interesting because that didn't 
that angle didn't occur to me, but yeah. when you lay it out like that, I'm like, yeah, that like I, I was just wondering why like he always talked about um Blush Weaver's tits and I was just like, This is getting unnecessary. I'm Well, he I talked mean, about what she was wearing a lot. Like well, yeah, I just, yeah. I mean it, it wasn't like lasciviousness on Light Song's yeah. part. He was like observing what she was wearing and that she was like, you know, epically proportioned like a goddess or whatever. But at the same time I was like, Okay, you're hitting this point a little too many times. Like you like three times we got the point ten like why that's just yeah. like spank bank like I it was don't like it. it was it was like he was cataloging her and not like admiring her yeah in a way that to me as I was reading it felt intentional but on this end of the story it's more like oh I think that again Sanderson is just not great <laughs> <laughs> at like romance or romantic thought processes or like you know like yeah well, the other thing is, like, he could have, like, you can care about a woman as a friend. So maybe yeah. it was simply that he was like, wait, she was one of us and she was my friend and she was like yeah. the one that I trusted more than the others and now she's gone. You yeah, know? I mean, I, 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 that's kind of how the reading that I settled at. But I remember yeah. when I first read it, I was kind of like, oh, maybe he's gay. You know? Yeah. He could be gay. It'd be interesting if, like, the god of bravery and, like, you know you know traditionally manly mm-hmm. heteronormative stuff was also queer but. although that would then be very um greek wouldn't it because it wasn't like the uh the shield you know shield mates uh who mm-hmm. which, which one of them was it was that sparta that that did that oh, hector and uh uh what is it achilles hector and achilles yeah some yeah mm-hmm. i mean there were <laughs> there were definitely like examples of that um in a in lots of you know like the manliest fighting men have such strong bonds with their brothers in arms that like no woman can ever compare and it's like well i mean is is it that they've been through the shit together or is it that like no woman can compare (laughs) because there's a difference (laughs) right 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 uh did did the fact that there was a character named trelides and a character named vera trelides trip you up um it, it didn't trip me up it didn't trip me up but i wondered if there was a connection and then there never one was never put in front of my face and i didn't bother to think about it hard enough to see if there might have been one yeah it's like are you a descendant or is it just like what's going on i don't know yeah i, I don't know that's a thing that i guess i will need to look up in that gigantic cosmere anthology mm-hmm. book figure figure out stuff that you know stuff that you have to dive into reddit to understand yeah well i mean if um so veritralities if that was one of the names of the five of of one of the five scholars yeah um, that was one of vasher's names no i'm sorry that was one of Dents? Vasher's? No, Dents. That was I think Dents it was one name. of Dents' names. Yeah, that yeah. was one of Dents' names. You know, so in that sense, it maybe is like, you know, one of those common names in their culture that people use a lot. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so uh, who else was in the God Complex? We had Sirius the Severin, like Song and Blushweaver, and his uh, Light Song's uh, brother and High Priest Larimer. Uh, there were a bunch of other kind of gods that we got to sort of meet, but not like All Mother was a little interesting, but mm-hmm. she didn't really pan out as like a fully developed character. Yeah, uh, Blue Blue Fingers uh, and also uh, Trelides were like yeah. the two kind of opposing um, priest figures in the god complex. Uh, outside yeah. in the city, we had Vivenna, 
um, who hangs out for the most part with Dent, Tonkfa, Jules, and Claude, who end up being bad guys, and she escapes them when Vasher kind of saves her. Uh, and there's also a lot of mention of a woman named Shashara, who we sort of figure out was Dent's sister and Vasher's lover slash wife, I think. And also one of the five scholars. And also one of the five scholars. So all these people are returned. There's just so many returned and very, very, uh, like two just regular people. <laughs> <laughs> I have three. Let's see. Siri, Larimer, and Vivenna. Essentially, They're re- yeah. They're regular people. I guess maybe Jules was normal too. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's never explained who Tonks and Jules like are, but they they weren't two of the five. So right, but Claude like, was. Claude was definitely one of the five. He was uh, our Steel, mm-hmm. one of the Steel brothers. I forget their names. Uh, uh, there was a Yell Steel. I think was the other one. Yeah, was, that was started the with a Y. That, yeah, yeah, so that that Steel is still alive and out there, and that's who they're kind of going to confront at the end of the book. Uh, so yeah, so then we still have so. It seems like it was Dent, a.k.a. Uh, Vera Trelides, Vasher, Shashara, and then the two Steels were the five scholars. Mm-hmm. So that's all kind of like, you know, revealed at the end, like amongst all this action where people are like fighting in different levels of the palace. It was, And I could kind of like see like the camera crane view going between the different scenes, like... Mm-hmm. You know, and people were being tortured, but not overly tortured so that they could still like look good on camera and run mm-hmm. around when the chance came. When, when the time came. Yeah. 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 What did you think about the kind of central conceit that it was really all about this one oppressed minority group trying to uh, create a civil war so that they in turn could either take over or like create their own their own country separate from the other two um well i didn't i didn't see it coming but then when it was revealed it was like yeah there was plenty of foreshadowing for that um so you know i thought that part was well handled um and it certainly uh i mean just as a general sort of commentary on politics and and war in general um, sort of suited the 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 kind of cynical but I think accurate view that wars are waged for somebody's profit and advantage and um, you just have to figure out who's and so it certainly wasn't Halandrin and it certainly wasn't uh, Idris that were going to benefit from a war it was going right. to destroy Idris but be very costly to Halandrin to do it um, so yeah, I think it's int- it's it's weird because like, you know, it's not a subtle book, I don't think, <laughs> um, in terms of like what it's trying to critique or what it's trying to make the reader think about. Because, right. you know, we have Halandrin, which is like the big city, right? It's the big city where everybody is carefree and loose and, and they dress all slutty and too colorful and they're not very devout and... They only care about things. Well, and they are very devout, people. but to the wrong gods. Right, right. Well, that's <laughs> we're getting this information kind of through uh, Vivenna and Siri at first, and it's like, okay, well, it's it's just different from where they come from. Mm-hmm. They approach things differently, but also 
it's a different place, right? They have different food, different trees, different, you know, um, Mm -hmm. just like weather. Uh, And it's, it's a little bit like, maybe like a treatise for like travel is good. Travel opens your mind. Travel exposes you to people unlike yourself. (laughs) And then you realize, wait, we're all just folk here. And you actually have more in common with them than you don't. It just seems that you don't. <laughs> right. But and then even the more she got to know people, the more she she understood. And I, I really like the 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 conclusion that Vivenna comes to where she's like, look, you know, at the end of the day, they don't care about Adrian's. They don't mm-hmm. they don't even notice us like we think that it's this big conflict between us and them, but it's not. Yeah. They it's just them. And then we live in their city. And mm-hmm. we're just here and they've, and they have absorbed us into their city. So we're, you know, we're Halandra now too. Like if you live here and you're part of this, like, yeah, you're, you have an Adrian religion and, you know, uh, cultural background, but you're still, you live here, mm-hmm. um, which I, you know, living in New York is a little bit like, yeah, like it doesn't, nobody cares. Nobody cares where you came from in New York. They don't. They just don't care. It's like, well, but you're here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is and this is New York. And New York is nothing but the people that live here and who's fr- who lives here, everyone. So it's like uh, it's both navel gazy, but also th- that's how big cities work. You know, mm-hmm. like everything flows to Rome. Which I don't know, I kind of liked it. It was a little heavy handed, but I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I. uh But you live in Oh, well, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but I think I'm, I think I'm Siri. <laughs> mm. So it's okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think what I appreciated the most was also um, just some of the sort of religious introspection that Vivenna goes through where she's basically like, you know, having to, and it, it was also heavy handed, but I didn't mind it, you know, um, probably because I agree with the point that, you know, it's religion isn't about the trappings. And sometimes you can like look at the principles and be very like narrow in, in how you define them or talk about them. But then like you, when you actually kind of open your eyes and to other perspectives and see a little more of life, you realize just how kind of how much more there is in those principles that maybe you were raised with and you heard them so many times you didn't even hear them whereas like if you actually hear them from an adult perspective for the first time they maybe resonate more or like they mean something deeper than you thought they meant um and so you know some of just her reflections on what does it really mean to to you know to have humility or to not um to not judge others or to not put yourself above others and you know like yeah that. i think a good maybe a good compare and contrast would be like vivenna's experience and um her i guess enlightenment about that versus like someone like all mother mm-hmm. right like because because vivenna was very set in her uh, i think at the end of the book she describes it as like there was it was pride and not like they weren't virtues it was just pride mm-hmm. um but she was very set in her ways, like about what she should wear and how she should act and how she should look and how people should just 
um, celebrate that culture. But then when she had all of that taken away from her and she lived the life, which is a very kind of Christ-like, you know, like I suffer, you suffer, I have been there, I, you know, like... Mm -hmm you can only understand and help people when you've when you've been there so she was homeless and she was on the streets and she was begging and she had that terrible disease that like gave her like dementia and Mm -hmm. um and so it's like she when she says at the end to her people who who accused you know they're like well you're you know the king has forgotten about us you know we're not we're not wanted right we're like a diaspora of idra of Mm -hmm. idris and She's like, but I care because I've lived it. You know, mm-hmm. I am you and you are me. So there's that. And then there's what All Mother says to Light Song where she's like, look, because he was like, oh, you really listen to all your petitioners and you really help people. He's like, and I admire that. And then she said, well, I'm only doing it because I'm trying to maintain my power. Mm-hmm. And I want them to worship me. So I have to do what they want me to do so that I don't lose their, their you know, their respect and like admiration mm-hmm. which i thought was very interesting because yeah up until that point you're like yeah all mother's helping people she's mm-hmm. giving them jobs and like helping their families and listening and like really thinking about like and you're like oh she's she must be this caring god but she's not she's just as ruthless as the rest of them yeah she just goes about it in a different sort of way and the uh they definitely who, who was the one that they talked about that um was the last one i guess who had given up her life to a to a petitioner oh was it like calm seer or something yeah and that she actually genuinely cared and like all of the other returned like the gods are like oh my god like we cannot do that right well then like song says like all the good ones go you know yeah he's like all the good ones leave because they know that they have this life that they can give away to help someone and they're like almost eager to do it so they those virtuous ones they don't stick around Mm -hmm. whereas the ones that are just kind of like lazing around eating grapes and trying to amass power those are the only ones that stick around and he because Mm -hmm. he's been around so long he's like well i'm one of them Mm -hmm. but he wasn't at all he He was just waiting for the the moment that he had sort of but it's also kind of a tragedy because Vasher knows how to like it wasn't Vasher and some of the priests knew how to do it without killing yourself, like how to give breaths without dying. Yeah. And I guess the implication then is that the God Kings never died, that they just gave their breath to their to their heir and then like retired. Yeah. Um, living like a king in Patagonia, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, Dread Pirate Roberts, good. I mean, so. or maybe, or maybe I don't know. Um, I mean, they because didn't because they had that that one, you know, they had their one breath um, that was theirs. So mm-hmm. you know, like any other returned. So maybe um, some of them chose eventually to die, and maybe they just simply let their body, their re- returned body, devour it. You know. Um, so who knows whether any of the others are actually still out there or if they kind of lived a normal lifespan and said, okay, I'm good. Yeah. Like they you were know. given, they were given like, you know, I don't know, a thousand breaths or something and like sent on their way to like live a regular lifespan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that there are, there is definitely like a lot to unpack in the story that's hidden in this uh like an action show like i think it would make a really great like one season like there are there are stuff you could cut right Mm -hmm. but i could see the structure of this 
being like one of those shows on like Netflix or Amazon or maybe yeah. not HBO. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's sexy enough. It could be. <laughs> they could make it sexy. Um, but yeah, like where it's kind of like, okay, we might have different seasons, but it's going to be a different story every season. And so like, this is one story arc. Because there's not really, I mean, unless you actually just want to go into the as yet unwritten adventures of you know, Vivenna and Vasher, um, or like whatever, however, the politics of Susebrin and Siri being like a functioning royal couple instead of puppets, you know, mm -hmm. plays out. Um, there's not really a lot of room to expand. <laughs> well, they're certainly not going to be challenged now that they have an invincible army of skeleton go golems. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, now that the God King has a tongue and knows how to use it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Siri. I, I felt for her. I felt for her. I was like, that needs to get fixed, sir. <laughs> Light song, you are a true hero. <laughs> Light a candle for him every day, Siri. You love that candle. Amen. <laughs> um. So let's talk about like how becoming a returned appears to work, right? So yeah. um we get we get like the the first person perspective from Light Song where it's like, okay, he returned because he did something brave or whatever, and then he remembers, right? He's able to actually remember, which is interesting mm -hmm. because Vasher is very old and he has not managed to remember. So is like remembering why a function of like giving up your divine breath? Mm. Or mm -hmm. was Light Song simply just more enlightened than Vasher? I mean, or, or maybe Light Song was very lucky because his brother was already a priest and saw him return and was like, holy shit, I can, like, this just restored my faith. So maybe because he had um, someone from his past, like, around him, there was... To connect dots and give him clues. Yeah. Yeah, there was something there that... Um, maybe even made it possible to, for him to think that he could remember, whereas may, like all the others just sort of act like they assume that there's nothing to remember. Um, I don't know. Well, I think it's, an, I mean, you go the whole time where Light Song's like, oh, I was obviously a police officer or a guardsman, mm -hmm. or I did something and I have all these skills and he goes through all this, like, I can juggle, that must mean something, but I can't use a sword. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And in the end, it's like you were an accountant <laughs> you were a pudgy accountant who died saving his niece from drowning um and when you died uh you know you were you were given that endowment of of breath and you could have chose you could choose to come back because they were given a vision of the future that you could affect mm -hmm. and because whatever that future was which he ends up seeing like oh you're there's going to be a terrible war and you can help avert it um because it's like you've died for these people but they're going to die in this terrible war. And so he came back to save them. So it's like, yes, that is, it is at once very brave and selfless, but also very selfish. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, and they they also bring up like, well, how do babies return? Like a baby can't be made yeah. to make a decision or can they? Because some of the babies appear to be really smart. Like they're like preborn dunes, you know, dune mm -hmm. style abomination babies <laughs> <laughs> where it's like endowment, but it's like, okay, but that makes, that only makes sense post endowment with breath, right? 
where it's like, okay, you've been given this breath. So you now have knowledge and you're now smarter and you have these, you have these heightenings. But what about before you make that choice? So you're just a stupid baby. Yeah. Who's given a vision. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know. I have questions. Especially if, if, if it's not simply like babe, like infants who died, but like true stillborn, like where like they died in, in the womb, like just Mm -hmm. prior to birth or during birth. Um, like what, yeah, yeah what, I mean, what gets... like what what cognizance was? I mean, because I I will say like with with my son, by the time he was like, you know, a couple days old, like I could see the curiosity in his eyes when he was looking at the world. Like you could just, or I could anyway, just like watch his mind like looking at this fucking puzzle and was like, I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna figure mm-hmm. this shit out. So like even a baby a couple days old, if it has like the right sort of orientation temperament like stimuli whatever like it is that you know might have might cause that kind of curiosity to awaken that quickly um you know like an infant that had lived even a couple days might have like something like something to hold on to but like stillborn i don't know like mm -hmm. that's like that's definitely like a universe other power manipulation yeah i mean i detect a hint of anti-abortion <laughs> sentiments in 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 the inclusion of the uh the the, the pre-born returned or whatever <laughs> um that i am choosing to not pick up and examine because i don't want to be in a fight with brandon sanderson uh <laughs> but you know like yeah it, it certainly is interesting an interesting way to complicate your system your very mm-hmm. logical system of, yeah <laughs> of like a certain percentage of people are given a choice to come back and some of them do and some of them don't and also babies <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah um what else uh well night blood so we find out that there are so what of the things that you can awaken right so when basher's in his like nerd mode and he's explaining and he goes into like this textbook on tape and you're like did vivenna ask for this <laughs> is vasher taking any breaths between any of these sentences where so he um it was so, so you great. can yeah so you can you can be a returned right where you have your one divine breath mm-hmm you can be a regular old person right everyone on on the planet gets at least one shitty breath it's theirs <laughs> but it's not like a divine heightened returned kind of breath right like right it's simply an anim you know animation like you're aware of the right and it's actually not shitty because you don't have to eat it to stay alive yeah so it's, yeah maybe it's the best kind of but you also thing. don't need it to stay alive because you can give it up you like, can also give it and up and then just be a drab and you know and it seems okay seems okay yeah I feel like there are so there, I think there's also some math to be done because it feels like there's a lot more people in this world that I'm giving credit for considering all the breaths that mm-hmm. they're consuming and trading around yeah <laughs> and losing for in some and in some cases losing those breaths forever so it's like wow these how many gods are there how many breaths do they consume how many people live in the city how many people live in like the immediate like mm-hmm. area of like a, maybe like a week or two's journey I'm like this is a populated planet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you can, so you have that. You can also awaken uh, stuff, right? 
can awaken stuff, stuff that was never alive, like, but things that are made out of natural things, right? Like cloth, things that used to be made out of plants and things, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, you can awaken things that were definitely alive, like animals and people. Uh, and then the, of course, the more skilled and smarter that, that thing was, the easier it is to awaken. Um, but depending on what kind of commands you give it, you may need more breaths or there, you may need more color from things in order to, I think the color acts as like the activator, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're thinking of dye or <laughs> it's like you need an activator to like get it going. Pause for uh, a second. Um, yeah. Did the whole thing about the special flowers that only grow in that valley, like, does that have anything to do with, like, the color and, like, like the fact that that's what Awakeners kind of draw from? Like, is it all about the special fucking flowers and the special dyes they make? I mean, I, th- I think that, like, the, certainly the environment seems to have influenced, maybe it's just, like, endowment being, or Edgley, right? They're called Edgley's flowers, endowments... Mm-hmm endowment lives in edgley so yeah yeah i think that there must be i would have to look that up because i've never i've never actually thought about it but it's i feel like it must be either she was there and liked those things and that's the magic system she built Mm -hmm. um or yeah maybe directly related somehow to the flowers and that was just a side thought that I had, and I didn't know if it was explained anywhere. So, anyway, well, it, yeah, yeah, because it, it's not just the flowers, though, right? Because she mm-hmm. takes things like the we see characters drawing color from like sticks, yeah, things that were not dyed with dye made from the flowers. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. I, it, like there are a couple times when it's boards and and things like that. Um, yeah, things. That but used you to can't be alive. seem to draw color from like light, right? This right. isn't. This yeah. isn't other books where they you could draw the color from fractions of light i'm thinking of brent weeks where it's like if Mm -hmm. you just wear prismatic glasses and you can see all the colors you can use those colors uh because it's like she can't go up to like i don't think you can go up to grass well i guess you can't because grass would be alive but maybe not like out of the air right you're not Mm -hmm. like drawing blue from the sky or something right yeah because that's not physically present and not alive yeah so yeah maybe it's color that came from something that was alive like a flower or bark or the ground mm-hmm. or blood or blood maybe brown doesn't work because brown is dirt i don't know we're getting into the weeds <laughs> yeah. sorry <It's>, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so you can uh so those things that you reanimate the closer they are to a living figure like uh, vasher's little straw men right mm-hmm. the fact that they're men makes them easier to awaken than if they were stars or lumps uh, so you have that, then you have, uh, when, when you reanimate a person because of there was an intelligence there, they can't, they have the skills basically of the brain that you, the, of the person that they used to be. Right. That's why, uh, Claude is a really good dualist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's Nightblood, this, the very secret awakening of things that were never alive, like things made of metal. So... I think yeah. Nightblood is so metal. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally, just like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I mean, there's definitely uh, just, there's ethical questions mm-hmm. around that. 
Because essentially, like, Vasher created this eternal pet, like a, a sentient being, whether he intended it to be sentient or not. Like, there's an intelligence there. Like, it's a sentient being. And so, it's like, what do you do with that? Like, that's now a, an intelligence. It's a living thing. Like, it's your, you know, does it have rights? Does it have um, a right You're getting to Star Trek. <laughs> life? You know, like, do you have a moral obligation to treat it well rather than to abuse it? To, you know, for example, not lock it in dark closets because it's afraid of the dark. Or you throw know? it in lakes. Or throw it in lakes because it doesn't like being wet. <laughs> um, Nightblood's not afraid of the dark. It just, it's aware when it's in darkness. <laughs> I think out of all of the characters in, I know, it's like, they're like, you can't see that. She's pretty. You don't know what she looks like. Yeah, she's pretty. <laughs> You don't even know what that means. Well, I think because he can read people's minds, he mm -hmm. must have some sense of of what things look like. Yeah. I despite mean, having no eyes. Yeah, people think in brain. images. Like, there has to be yeah. something there that's translating. Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I, I think it, that's interesting, because I think out of all the characters, Nightblood is the most like... Uh, the characters from the Raven's Tower because it's mm -hmm. like it's an it's an object that doesn't really change and doesn't experience time in the way that the rest of us do mm -hmm. and also seems and it's it's disconcerting but Vasher and Vasher doesn't really look head on at it but it seems like Nightblood is evolving mm -hmm. he, he he it is learning it you know it, it it's it cares about things it's not just a sword right it's been imbued with other things and yeah i think you're right i think it's an intelligence uh whether or not whether or not it should exist yeah i mean it's kind of like too late for that it does yeah. so what do you do <laughs> what are you gonna do about it throw it into the deepest darkest part of this of space and just like let it hang out mm-hmm while it attempts to destroy evil. <laughs> and I mean, also, like, clearly, clearly Vasher and Shashara were stupid. Because if I was going to make a magical object that could think for itself, I certainly wouldn't give it something as epic to do as destroy evil. Oh my god, I know. It's like you're asking for a problem. Because it's going to be super, it has to be powerful enough to destroy evil if you're imbuing it with that ability, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like a genie. Yep. They were dumb. They were dumb. They were dumb, stupid Hogwarts students that need to have their stuff taken away. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, one of them died and the other's been kind of well, trying Vasher to Well, killed her because she was going to make more. Yeah. And... and then I think it's funny that Vasher, his little throwaway, he's like, I've seen people do really cool things with skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> He oh my god <laughs> i've done cool things with skeletons yeah by people i mean me <laughs> <laughs> by people i mean me i mean i do really metal cool shit that you want to spray paint on the side of a van holy shit skeletons. thank you for, for for bringing that up because i i did not like think back to that comment that he he totally fucking like like glad handed himself <laughs> yeah because oh mm -hmm. she's like wow that's really amazing that people are doing all this stuff with the lifeless and he's like yeah it's cool it's fine i mean like alcohol you know like the icker alcohol i mean yeah okay i mean if you want to be lazy but if you you know like the really the art is when you're doing shit with skeletons the venom. <laughs> oh my god totally was <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, fuck. <laughs> right. Um, I think we've covered kind of everything. I mean, I, I don't know. Does this make you want to step deeper into the Cosmere? Um, well, uh, so several comments on that. First, uh, when the sequel comes out, definitely reading it. Um, so second, um, now that I have, um, I guess some, some approach, you know, to Sanderson's work, uh, I'm definitely open to reading more. Um, I don't, with, without knowing more about any of the other specific, like, worlds or stories, I don't feel like drawn to them Mm -hmm. but like if somebody like throws a pitch at me it's like let me tell you about like this character or this situation or this magic system that would probably be enough for me like for me to be like okay yeah i'm curious um, yeah i think i mean it would be interesting to read things in the order that he published them in Mm -hmm. not 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 because you have to to understand what's going on because they are self-contained and and, you know for all for all you know essentially they are self-contained uh but when characters like Hoyd show up, mm-hmm. you were just reading. Whereas I was on the train shaking people like, Hoyd, it's Hoyd. Hoyd is here. Look, 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 pers- <laughs> look, it's Hoyd. Do you see Hoyd? Hoyd is doing things with sand. And like, you know, like, because that is the character that shows up that has like a lot of like implications. And the fact that Hoyd was there as like a holder of like ancient knowledge as if he was like a storyteller and this was just like shit that people knew mm-hmm. is hilarious. Um, uh, because it's not true. <laughs> and, you know, like seeing there are there are characters and like if you read um, if you read the Stormlight archives, I think, yeah, they're called the Stormlight archives. uh which are I like them a lot. Uh, you'll see Vasher and Vivenna in those books, very okay. like tangentially, like they they're standing on the edge of the room kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like other there's other things like I think in the Mistborn books, a religion is actually mentioned that uh, that appears to be the same religion as this as the religion that we just read about in warbreaker so you know there's connecting points it's like it's like threads but it's not necessary it's not like a it's not like a never-ending series Mm -hmm. so but i think in terms of like if you like this writing style i think what's great about sanderson is that he's consistent right like he Mm -hmm. doesn't introduce a point that doesn't mean something he's not going to give you a tangent he's not george martin where you can just get stuck <laughs> on like in like the footnotes you know mm-hmm. like everything comes back around and a lot all this stuff pays off eventually which is really satisfying to read yeah i, I think especially now in like where the tradition is to just have everything kind of skitter off into ambiguity mm-hmm. uh all right uh final questions then is it fashion um. Mm. No. The only person I know who wears anything are the slutty dresses. So I'm gonna say it's not fashion, but it is clubbing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like Sanderson did his best, you know, to try and differentiate. And like, obviously, clothing is important, but you know, just being like, they wear colors, they don't. She, they show skin they don't like that is not mm-hmm. enough to actually like make it fashion like not yes, i would all. i do say that in some of his other books he's much better at it okay. and that 
like the (laughs) the characters are identifiable enough where you could actually cosplay them Mm -hmm. whereas i think unless you're vasher which means you're a hobo wrapped in ropes (laughs) you're not really you know with a bit with a five foot long sword Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh you're not really gonna none of these people are really all that recognizable yeah yeah Uh, i agree with that but speaking of, I love the fact that in fantasy novels, and Sanderson is not excluded from this, but he's clearly not the only member, you have all these, like, epic um, magic systems, and then, like, it's always, like, the people are always described as fighting in it, and when you read it, you're like, yeah, get them, grab the rope, hold things when I throw, cool, and then you actually, like, think about what that would look like, and you're kind of like, that's kind of stupid. <laughs> like, it's like your sleeves are big hands, and your, your pants are big feet. And I got like a lot of, you know, like um, in the the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies where like when Doc Ock is like moving around on his like big, on his big Doc Ock arms, you know, and he's just kind of like a guy who's clearly suspended in the middle of some Mm -hmm. movie. That's how I imagine all the roping, like all the rope moving where they're just like sitting in like an invisible chair because they're an actor on a string while like a flimsy little rope i'm like that would be so uncomfortable if like one little rope just like wrapped around like your leg and like hauled you off do you know how that would look in real life that would be awful you'd be like upside down puking your guts out with rug burn but but instead it's like it takes me to the next the next flight up just you know all, all cool well, that's, so, yeah. that's, so, that's the it, intention, though. That's the using it like your own muscles rather than like a right. rope that's dragging you. Right. <laughs> the bad awakeners get drug around. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's like, I got to go. <laughs> your arms are like pulled out of the socket when you get where you're going. Your own Stupid. ropes accidentally draw and quarter you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, it's not how physics works. <laughs> Uh, and, and also the fact that people can just like really conveniently change not only their appearance, but their mass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't like that. That was annoying. Uh, murder, Mary fuck. Okay. Um, uh, it's hard. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean... Murder. I'm probably probably gonna have to go with Denth just because I felt I felt Vivenna's like real personal betrayal on that. Like that was mm-hmm. that was really that was really awful. Um, let's see. Probably uh, probably might like to marry old Lightsong. He was he was entertaining and obviously like hot as fuck. Um, and uh, I think I'm gonna fuck Blushweaver and just see what like she's all about. She did say she she did talk a lot of game. She sure did. Like, impress me, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. I mean, I feel like Light Song should have just been like, yeah, okay. She wouldn't have known what to do. She would have been like, oh, I. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think I think maybe I'll alter it a bit and say I'm going to murder the old king because he sucked and gave his daughters away and had favorites and, like, never helped them and and just kind of disappeared from the story and never came back. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Um, yeah, Light Song was good. Uh, or maybe, um, maybe Claude. Claude seemed like he would have been a stalwart companion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, I think a younger me would have said Vasher, but I've had, I've had enough of, like, 
grumpy men. Like, I want, I want <laughs> he's <happy>. Yeah. <laughs> he is pretty grumpy. Fuck. I guess, like, me, uh... <gasps> Uh, yeah, I feel like Blush Weaver's like clearly like the front runner. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll go with that too. Uh, and final question: Are there worms in it? I think the answer to that is sadly, no. No, I can't. There do- was a sea cucumber, which was close, <laughs> but that was the only thing even remotely close. <laughs> but it did not taste like a cucumber. She said, which <laughs> was funny. Like, I like how both Vivenna and Siri were like, we just don't like the seafood. We are trying it. We are eating it for sustenance. Mm-hmm. We are not enjoying it. Look, girls, I I feel you. I have this <laughs> long running thing with, I like, I, I like some seafood. I like shrimp and like catfish, if that even counts. But like, I don't like fish and I try so hard. Like, on like at least a yearly basis, I will order like fish at a nice fancy restaurant that like makes it perfectly and it's all fruity and perfectly spiced and has a french sauce on it and i still can't fucking like it like there's something (laughs) about that fish taste i'm just like nope nope sorry not for me see i i enjoy it and i will eat a sea cucumber i don't care (laughs) uh i just see i also like when vasher was like you don't like squid but i just it's what you're eating you've been eating the shit out of the squid i give it to you and you just you just pound it and she's like, well, I'm hungry, but I don't like it. <laughs> You're paying for the food. I can't complain here. Yeah. And he just, I like, I, my vision of that scene is him just kind of standing there dumbly, just like, huh. All right. And, and, all, and also the fact that Vasher kind of likes her, I think, inexplicably in a narrative sense, because they have no, <laughs> other than like repeatedly rescuing her, they don't really have a lot of development, but. It, the, there is an implication that Vasher thinks she's pretty because mm-hmm. Nightblood says she's pretty, which means he got that information from, from Vasher. Vasher. Right. Uh, yeah. So and I guess that's a good that's a good basis for a relationship, really. It really I mean, that's how they all start. Well, I mean, that, you, know, you definitely have to have have that initial uh, that initial chemistry. But I think there's like everybody reacts she's talented. She can like, do the awakening stuff and he can teach her. Yeah. And she's very like she's obviously very like get she gets it fast and so he's he's impressed with that and she has a grit like mm-hmm. i mean i think like Vivenna is frustrating at first because she's so like kind of self-righteous and narrow-minded but she has she has grit and like you mm-hmm. admire her even if you like kind of want to shake her silly so like once she kind of like gets knocked off her high horse she's pretty fucking fabulous i'm like yeah mm-hmm. i can do it not my type maybe but i can see why vasher's like um, i mean you know i don't I don't think I could be in a successful relationship where the where my partner was the one who was teaching me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, like there's definitely like a there's a power dynamic there that power, I'm not super yeah. into. Yeah, but I could, you know, I could see I could see it later on. Like I'm filling in those blanks and looking future, like looking mm-hmm. forward for them, and I'm like, yeah, I can see them. But yeah. in the context of the story as it is, yeah. Well, I, I also like felt like it's not probably a lot like of work being done there. Gonna be a while before either of them actually like unbends enough to get there. So like yeah. maybe by that point she's like kind of done maybe with her apprenticeship. Sequel. Yeah. yeah, that's some sequel work. That's <laughs> that's gonna be done. That's their future adventures. That's what we get to look forward to in a in book two. Yes, the future adventures of Vasher and Vivana and Nightblood, their lovely child. <laughs> that they're so proud of. <laughs> and who is so proud of, of itself. Uh, what are we reading ne- next, then? 
Okay, so uh, you you threw a special request at me to change our um, assignment order, and mm-hmm. because this is a book that uh, just came out, and you've been telling me about it um, since you got your advanced reading copy, I'm willing to uh, concede, so you can pick again um, and tell okay, me what we're great. reading next. <laughs> More, so um, in honor in honor of Vasher's skeleton army, <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm just I'm just so good at all these segues. Uh, uh, we're gonna we're up next. We are reading Gideon the Ninth. Uh, it is a book that I read uh, a year ago uh, in an arc, but I am rereading it now because it just came out uh, for real uh, from Tor. It's amazing. Go look at the cover uh, art, and you'll understand why we're reading it next. <laughs> like it's it's yeah. <laughs> yes, it just makes uh, sense. It's just so it's so funny. And it's almost impossible. It's one of those books that's almost impossible to explain the premise of because it's just (laughs) so bizarre, but it also isn't. Like, it is essentially Clue. It's essentially a murder mystery in a big mansion. However, that mansion (laughs) is like a techno cavern in like the super future like riddick style you know like necro necromonger kind of like future uh with like a little bit of gormenghast where it's like a city's castle and everyone's weird as hell and uh a little bit of like gene wolf because it's just like so dour and like skulls uh (laughs) and the main character is a a lesbian a lesbian uh cavalier and her necromancer as they attempt to identify and solve a murder mystery uh (laughs) with a lot of lip um possibly you have seen them it's i think you know Tor really believes in this book and it's like amazing when you love a book and then the publisher also loves the book and then they do like a proper marketing campaign to like get that book into the hands of readers like Mm. that's it's so special when that happens because I feel like as a reader that has not always aligned Mm -hmm. for myself you know Mm -hmm. um so it's great to see it but I think some people are reacting against it they're like oh it's being pushed like they're seeing like NPR articles and stuff about it and they're like oh it doesn't deserve this hype and it really really does I'm telling you it does so I hope you enjoy it but yeah get it in the ninth skeletons well I uh, I I can't wait to read it just from the things you've said about it so um I hope it lives up to your hype I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't watch the news I don't see any of it I don't know what hype is out there, but I hope it lives up to your hype. Yeah, you know, I just, I am a super, I love lowbrow bullshit. I love characters who are, like, big, dumb hammers who, (laughs) like, wag their, you know, who, like, flap their tongues and, like, say dumb shit, and Gideon (laughs) is that character. So, yeah, I love her. (laughs) (sighs) You do have a type. Yeah, yeah, I do. Well then, I will. I will. Happy reading. Yes. And hopefully, and, uh, we won't have a big break so that we get this out. Uh, you know, during the spooky season. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's not Dragon Con season, so you know, here's open. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have an excuse. I mean, other than New York Comic Con, which is slowly draining the life from my body. I don't have that excuse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll. Uh, I'll get to reading then. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.